All right, good morning, Linworth. If you guys go ahead and stand up, we're going to pray, or I'm sorry, we're going to start into worship. All right.
just welcome everybody. Just um, hope that as you come in today, after you've maybe you've dropped off your kids or who knows what's been going on this morning for you, but just um, hope that you can come in and know that this is a place that's you know welcoming, and we're just welcoming into God's presence. And I just um, hope that we can just feel that peace and just know that He is here with us this morning. Free. 
identity is found in you, only you, just that you would fill our hearts and just be ever-present on our minds, just pray that you'd speak through everyone here and just uh, be open to receive your word in your son's name, amen. All right, amen. You guys, the kids can go on back and why don't you guys go ahead and say hi to your neighbor. If you haven't seen anybody in a while, go find them, say hi. Good morning, everybody. Very busy, active morning. Good morning, all. My name is Doug Riggle. I'm Ministry Development Director here at Lindworth Road Church. I want to welcome you here this morning. I've got a few announcements to go through. Um, first of all, if this is your first time, just a special welcome to you. Thank you for coming today. In front of you, this applies to first time or long time per people. We have a connect card. It's a great way to um, get information about our church. If you have any questions, if it is your first time, please go ahead and mark that it's your first time. And there's a box in the lobby there. You can drop that in on your way out. Also at the Welcome Center, we've got some gifts for you. So please stop by there and check that out as well. Plus there's information about our church um, for you. This is in, um, you can also get information in the Bible app. Um, and there's additional information, like I said, at the Welcome Center. So a couple of announcements for you today. Um, we've got to save the date, August 7th through 12th. We're going to be participating again in the Love Our City project. So go ahead and just now, if you've got you know, calendars in, at home, mark those dates out and get those ready to go. Um, more to come on that as well. 
Next up, if you look on your bulletin or even behind me, there's a QR code. So if you want to know how to get the Bible app or get information live, you can use the QR code and grab that and get information about uh, everything here today. Sermon notes, song lyrics, all of that are there. So grab that um, or scan that. Um, also, we just want to encourage you, if you've, something's changed in your life, you've got a new phone number, a new address, um, go ahead and let the church know. Um, periodically, we're going to ask this, that you update your information so we have the most accurate information at the church. You can email the church office, or you can write it on the Connect card, or you can also put it in the Connect card section of the Bible app as well. And then, each Friday, the church sends out a newsletter uh, that talks about the upcoming Sunday sermon, along with announcements and volunteer opportunities and events that are going on at the church. If you'd like to get this and you're not currently, just plop your email address on the Connect card and indicate you'd like to get our Friday newsletter as well. And again, you can do it in the Bible app or you can email the church office directly. Um, next up, I want to invite Abby Hubacher up to the stage. Everyone give her a warm welcome. Good morning. good morning. Yeah, good morning. It's been a while. Yes, it has been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the congregation and tell us a little bit more about yourself, Abby. Yeah, so my name is Abby Hubacher, and um, yeah, I went to this church for quite a few years before moving to Australia to work in um, a missions organization called Youth with a Mission. Um, my parents are Fritz and Susie. They um, go here and have gone here for a number of years, so you might know them as well. Um, yeah, I guess just to say a little bit about uh, what I've been doing and who I've been working with in Australia. I work for an organization called Youth with a Mission Toowoomba. Um, Youth with a Mission is an international and interdenominational missions organization um, that is focused on championing young people in the mission field and teaching people to know God and have an intimate relationship with him and to make God known in the nations, whether that be through vocational missions or just teaching young people to have a missional lifestyle in whatever sphere of the world they're going into. Um, yeah, so Toowoomba, nobody knows where Toowoomba is outside of Australia, that's fine. Um, so I have a map, so you can see Brisbane is about midway on the east coast of Australia and Toowoomba is about an hour and a half drive straight west of there. Um, Toowoomba is located on a mountain ridge, so unlike the coast, it's very cold there right now because it's winter time. Um, unfortunately, I don't get the benefits of being on the coast. Um, but yeah, so that group of people are, yeah, the people I live life with and work with and yeah, went through COVID with because um, that was a thing that happened and we were all stuck together for the entire thing. Um, but it was really fun that we really got to bond as a group and become a family and really um, have our vision as a base purified and really, um, yeah, God was able to cast a new vision for where we're going um, as our particular YWAM base. Um, yeah, so next I just wanted to show a little video that it's a promotional video for one of our schools that we run, um, but I think it also shows just like the heart of our base and um, what we do as YWAM Toomba. So if you want to go ahead and play that. The power of his presence is that the more we behold him, 
the more we see he is worthy of our obedience, adoration, affection, surrender, attention, worship, pursuit, love, praise, longing. As we behold him daily, we want to grow in greater understanding of fear of the Lord. value of a holy and pure lifestyle and above all else place Jesus at the highest place in our That's a little video. I'm very proud of all the girls who worked in the media department on that, so I wanted to make sure to show it. Um, but yeah, that kind of just shows some of the things that happen on our base. We're very worship focused. Um, worship and prayer are a big part of um, just our vision um, for missions and also our heart as a community. Um, yeah, so in YWAM and on our base, there's like three different branches that everyone kind of focuses on. There's training, there's mercy ministries, and there's evangelism. Um, so uh, in our base, we um, teach, we have discipleship training schools, which is the entry level YWAM course. And then we also have the school of worship and prayer, which is the one we just talked about, and a staff internship, which um, is something that I run and it's a big part of my day-to-day -day role and job on base and it's a year and a half course really just training someone into um, like the skills and the knowledge they need to be in full-time missions um, yeah so that's really fun um, that we get to do that and that I get to be a part of that in discipling people um, I also work in our admissions department um, for the last couple years, just helping people come to our schools and learn about what we do. And then I also uh, lead worship and am part of teams for our house of prayer ministry, um, which is also a big part of our mission and um, yeah, just our, our vision for the city and for um, Australia and for the world. Um, awesome. So let me ask you this question. Um, you're here for like about a month, correct? Yeah, I'll be here until the end of July. Awesome. So if people want to learn more or get involved to support the work you do, what, what, what do you recommend? Yeah, so on this last slide, if you want to learn more about YM Toowoomba, we have a website that they, we just have redone. So everything should be current and up to date and um, has a bunch of information about our schools and our ministries and just kind of what we do, our values. Um, we also have Facebook and Instagram pages. So you can follow at YOM Toomba, or if you're interested in following and learning more about the House of Prayer, you can follow at the Prayer Room Oz. And then if you'd like to connect with me or learn more about what I do, I do send out a monthly newsletter that I'd be happy to um, let you know how you can subscribe to that. And then I also have social media so you can connect with me at Abigail Hugh Walker um, on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you, Abby. All right, and now I'd like to have Pastor Mike Failer come up for our message this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. You know, um, before I start my message this morning, we have a news flash. 
Uh, hot off the press. I just got this this morning. As you know, our senior pastor, Chris Martin, is on sabbatical. And uh, as you also know, Friday was a great day, an historic day, and a day where many prayers were answered. And uh, so Chris wrote up a little response, and uh, he asked that I would share it with you. So right now, if you have to close your eyes, just pretend that I'm Pastor Chris, okay? Um, of course, I know I'm not as handsome as he is, but, but try to just imagine Chris up here, okay? And uh, of course, this is concerning the historic Supreme Court decision reversing Roe versus Wade. And I just got it, so hopefully I won't mess it up. As a Christian, this is, this is Chris again speaking. And also, I would also say he's speaking on behalf of the elders as well, okay? As a Christian, I affirm the decision to overturn Roe. This decision is a spiritual victory, a life victory, a kingdom victory. We have prayed for this a long time. Jesus teaches us to defend the weakest and the most vulnerable. The scriptures call on us to support the widow, the orphan, and the sojourner. These groups symbolize the poor and vulnerable among us. There is no one more vulnerable than an unborn child. Along with unborn babies, we affirm the support of those suffering at every stage of life, including the impoverished and the elderly, along with the widow, the orphan, and the sojourner. We empathize with women who have an unwanted pregnancy. And because of that, we will continue our support of pregnancy distress centers that assist women in pregnancy. As I mentioned, as Chris mentioned, he's saying, in a recent message in anticipation of this day, I encourage us to embody the sincere respect the scriptures call us to when interacting with people who disagree with us. We will have a unique opportunity in this ongoing debate to embody the gospel in our tone, our words, and our posture. And if you have the opportunity to articulate why you are pro-life, also share the gospel in words. We defend life at every stage because we believe all are created in God's image. All are worthy of Christ dying for. Therefore, all life is sacred. This is the great social ethic that shapes why we believe and what we believe. With love, Pastor Chris. Well said, wasn't it? Lord, I just want to take a minute. Lord, thank you for what happened Friday. Lord, you always hear our prayers and Lord, that day you answered the prayers that many have prayed for a long time and we praise you and we thank you for that in Jesus name amen you know speaking about Chris being on sabbatical um, and I'm up here today you know just trying to help out and fill in uh, but you know I got to thinking it's been a long time since I've been up here to give a message in fact I, I, I was thinking about it. it's been over a year and so I almost feel, and the reason why is because I spend most of my time on the college campus in the fall and the spring and as much as I can in the winter too. 
And I believe God has called me to the work of evangelism. And so I'm on the college campus sharing the gospel with students. And I really, really appreciate the support that I receive from this church. I'm so appreciative of that. But you know, I do kind of feel like a, a guest speaker. And, and so that reminds me of a story I heard about a little church that uh, their pastor was gone, like Chris is, and so they needed to get a, a guest preacher. And so uh, they, they got a guy and they brought him in. And they said, now, in this church, we don't have a lot of rules or you can speak about anything you want, but there's one thing you need to keep in mind. You can't go too long. Our pastor only speaks 20 to 25 minutes and then he's done. So just keep that one thing in mind, don't go too long. Well, Sunday morning came and the guest preacher got up there and, and um, oh, about 10 minutes into his message, someone in the congregation said, amen. And you know, saying amen to a preacher is like saying sick him to a dog. <laughs> and so he felt pretty good. A couple of minutes later, there was another amen. So he was really feeling good. So 20 minutes into his message, he was really getting wound up. 30 minutes, and he's going strong. 40 minutes goes by, 50 minutes. Finally, one man in the back row, he couldn't take it any longer. So he stood up, took off his shoe, and threw it at the preacher. But he missed, and he hit a little old woman sitting in the front row, hit her right upside the head to which she turned around and replied, hit me with your other shoe, I can still hear him. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hope I don't go too long this morning. We're gonna be looking at John 4 and there's so much in that chapter, I really think I could speak a couple hours on it, but don't worry, I'm not gonna do that. I shouldn't be more than an hour and a half. But we've been going through a series called Conversations with Jesus. And we've been looking at some of the unique one-on-one -on -one conversations Jesus had with others. And this morning, we're going to look at a conversation Jesus had in John chapter 4 with a woman. A woman whose name we never know. A woman who was doing one of the most boring, mundane, everyday tasks, drawing water from a well. And we simply know of her as the woman at the well. Now, she was a messed up woman, living a messed up life, a life messed up by her own sin. And being an outcast, she came to the well by herself and where no other man would have given her the time of day except for the wrong reason. Jesus engages her in a conversation that will change her life forever. And you know, and if we've ever messed up, if you've ever messed up, and you found yourself living under the crushing burden of regret, this story gives us hope. Because whatever it is we've done, and no matter how bad we've messed up, the story gives us hope that Jesus can fix it, that he can turn it around, he can work it out for the good if we're willing to confess our sin and put our faith in him. But in this story, in my opinion, we find the greatest example of personal evangelism we find anywhere in the Bible. Because you know what? There's no better example of how to do evangelism than Jesus himself. And Chris asked if I would give a message on evangelism, so here we are this morning. Now, I know whenever the topic of evangelism is brought up, people often cringe. It's been said there's one thing that, 
non-believers and believers both have in common. They're both uptight about evangelism. And maybe that's why statistics indicate that 95% of all Christians have never led another person to Christ. And that's a shame because so many are missing out on the joy of sharing the good news of Christ with someone who's lost. Yes, the joy. You know, the Bible tells us in Luke 15 that when just one person repents of their sin and comes to believe in God, that all of heaven rejoices. There's a party in heaven. There's excitement in heaven. And when you and I share our faith with others, we share in that joy. You know, I really believe the happiest, the most fulfilled Christians are those who share their faith with others. So this morning, I want us to look to Jesus, to sit at his feet and to learn from him because he's the master communicator and he shows us how to share our faith. So if you're in John chapter 4, now this is long, we normally stand up, but I want you just to sit and be comfortable. Uh, it's going to take a couple of minutes to read, but I really think it's important that we read the whole story so we can get the flow of the story. And I'm going to be reading this morning from the NIV, and I think maybe they have it up on the screen. Beginning in verse 4, John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria, that is Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from him himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, he said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. 
The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is God's word. Now, here we find Jesus at a well. But it's not just any well. It's Jacob's well in Samaria. Jacob had bought this land thousands of years earlier so that he could pitch his tent in the land of Canaan. And this is probably the first piece of real estate that any Jew ever owned in the promised land. Now, if you think this was a natural place for Jesus to visit, you'd be wrong. Jews never, ever went through Samaria. Never. It was a racial thing. But Jesus breaks the racial barrier and he ignores a 700-year hostility that had been going on between the Jews and the Samaritans. And he engages this woman in a conversation. Excuse me. And in this fourth chapter of John, Jesus gives us the template for one-on-one evangelism. So what can we learn from him? What can we learn from Jesus about evangelism? Well, first, if we're to share our faith, we must initiate. We must initiate. Jesus initiated with this woman. He was waiting on her. He started the conversation. He he started the whole thing. And though she was a sinful woman, being married and divorced five times, and add to that, she was living with a man who wasn't her husband. And in those days, that was scandalous. That's before they celebrated sin. And yet Jesus didn't condemn her. He reached out to her. He showed us how to be a bridge instead of a barrier to people coming to Christ. And even though Jesus knew all about this woman, he knew all about her sin, he loved her and cared about her. And she could sense it. You know, people who felt unloved by everyone else felt loved by Jesus. No wonder he was called the friend of sinners. You know, people can tell if we really care about them. I mean, a child knows it. A child knows if we care about them. They can sense it. I mean, even a dog can tell. You know, Kelly and I have four grandchildren, and we love them so much. Of course we do. In fact, my oldest grandson is here this morning. But we also have two grand dogs. And... uh, And I love our grand dogs. Kelly, not so much. Especially our daughter's dog. It's a huge Great Dane. And you know, they can tell the difference. In fact, those dogs can tell that I really care about them and love them. And they can tell that Kelly doesn't. And there's a difference in the way the dogs interact with us. They can sense it. They know. Now, let me clarify something. I love our daughter's Great Dane more when it's at her house than when it's at my house. Because this thing is a horse, it's huge. And we have a very small house and so it just fills our house and it's like wall-to-wall dog. And when it goes out in the backyard, it pees a gallon and puts a burn hole in my yard that big around. But you know, even even after all that, I, I like the dog and And it can sense it. It knows. Now listen, if a dog can sense it, you better be sure that people can tell when we care about them. They can sense by the way we talk with them, the time we spend with them, 
the, the way we listen to them and engage them in conversation. Listening shows that we care. And you know, this woman knew Jesus cared about her. So effective sharing starts with caring. If we want to be effective in sharing the gospel, effective sharing starts with caring. And although this woman didn't realize it, she had an appointment with Jesus that day. I call it a divine appointment. It was set up by God, by Jesus himself. And you know, God can do that for us because we need help. And we can pray and say, God, would you set up divine appointments for me and bring people into my life that I can talk to and help me to get started? And pray about that. Now, look at verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Now, not because Samaria was on his way. Oh, no. Remember, Jews didn't go through Samaria. They avoided Samaria like the plague. Yet, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? Because there was a lost, hurting woman who needed his help. And that day, when she came to draw water, she saw a surprising sight. There, sitting at the well, was a Jewish man, and I suppose she braced herself for a confrontation. But to her surprise, Jesus asked her a question. He said, can I have a drink of water? Now, she must have been shocked. I mean, she can't believe it. You, a Jewish man, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Don't you know we don't get along? But Jesus went out of his way to initiate with this woman. And if we want to share our faith, there'll be times that we too will have to go out of our way. It will cost us our time. We may have to readjust our busy schedule. But Jesus told us to go. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And to go means to initiate. Now these words of Jesus are a command. It was never a mere suggestion. It's a command. And we must obey. It's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission. And we remember how God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. He said to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach repentance. But Jonah didn't want to go. He didn't like those people. But God told him to go. And Jonah said, no. And God said, oh? <laughs> well, you know the rest of the story. And after Jonah graduated from Fish University, he had a change of mind, and he decided to obey. And you know what? You and I need to obey. For many of us, the Great Commission has become the great omission, and that's a shame because, as I said earlier, I really believe the most fulfilled, the happiest Christians are those who share their faith with others. And to do that, we must learn to initiate, to be friendly, to initiate conversation, and then to listen to show that we care just as Jesus did. Now, look again at verse 10. Look again at verse 10. Jesus tells this woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Notice how Jesus initiates a spiritual conversation. He does a little fishing with her. He throws out a little bait to see if she'll take a bite. You know, this is a great way to engage someone. Throw out a spiritual point and see if they respond. Now, there, there's many ways you can do this. You know, you might just say, you know, in conversation, say, you know, uh, the other day God answered a prayer I've been praying for a long time. And just see if they respond. And if God's in it, they will. And they may or they may not. But throw something out and see if they respond. 
Jesus said to this woman, I'll give you living water. Now, he's talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that gives us power to live the Christian life. The power to worship, so we can worship in spirit and truth. The power to pray. The power to be a witness for Christ. I know one thing. I could never be a witness for Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit. Living water. Jesus is telling this woman, I can quench the deepest need of your soul. I can satisfy what you've been thirsting for. What you've been looking for all your life, you can find through a relationship with me. But also from this statement Jesus made in verse 10, we learn several things about evangelism. Jesus told her, if you knew the gift of God, the gift of God, you'd ask me, I'd give you living water, if you knew the gift of God. So secondly, we learn from Jesus, if we're to follow his example, we should tell people about the gift of God. In other words, proclaim the gospel of grace. Now, what is the gift of God? Well, over and over and over again, the Bible refers to eternal life as the gift of God. For instance, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some translations say, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Peter, preaching at Pentecost, spoke of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So to be saved, to have eternal life, to be born again and have the Holy Spirit come to live within our heart, this is the gift of God. And this is the gospel of grace. You know, a familiar verse, I hope you all know it, I believe every Christian ought to have it memorized, is Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and now we know this is faith in Jesus Christ. You know, so many people I talk to are trying to work their way to heaven. I talk to them all the time. They're trying to earn their way to heaven, thinking they have to do more and more, not understanding it's a gift. I've talked to so many from different religions, there's so many religions. And one thing I find that they all have in common, they're all trying to work their way, earn their way to heaven. Somehow, by doing this and by doing that, they think they can earn the favor of God. They're working, they're doing, doing, doing. And I want them to understand grace, that salvation is the gift of God, that you don't have to do anything, it's free. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. It was already bought and paid for by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. All you have to do is receive it as a gift. Grace also means we can't make our own way to heaven. See, all the religions are making their own way to heaven. But we can only come God's way, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ apart from any works. But grace doesn't mean we ignore sin. We don't ignore sin. There's a great chasm between us and God caused by our own sin, and sin has separated us from God. 
And unless we repent of our sins and receive Christ as Savior, we'll be lost. We'll be separated from God forever in a place Jesus called hell. And Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. And so repentance is the first step we take toward God. And repentance must be part of the gospel message. Now, this woman said, sir, give me this water. Jesus, give me this water. I'm going to have to keep coming back here to draw water. Of course, she's thinking physically. Jesus is talking spiritually. But she says, sir, give me this water. But Jesus wouldn't give her eternal life until he had first pointed out the sin of her immorality. And so that's the first step we take is repentance. And it's something we need to talk about when we share the gospel. Now, look again, once again at verse 10. We looked at it already once, but again. Jesus tells her, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he'd given you living water. Jesus told her, if you knew who I was, if you knew who I am, I'd give you living water. You'd ask me, I'd give it to you. And so the third thing we learn about evangelism is we must tell people about Jesus. Tell them who he is. Paul told the church in Corinth, he said, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Think of it. Paul could have spoke and talked intellectually about so many things. But if you'd asked Paul, Paul, how do you share the gospel? I believe he'd have said, I preach Christ. I preach Jesus. It's him I proclaim. So when I share my faith, I make it one of my goals to tell people about Jesus. Jesus told the woman, if you knew who I was, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me, I'd give you living water. You know, I love to tell people about Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior. And he's the main event. He's the attraction. He's the gospel. He's the good news. So tell them what he did. Tell them what he said, the claims he made. Tell them about his miracles, how he walked on water, how he changed water to wine, how he healed the sick and the crippled, how he opened the eyes of the blind, how he calmed the raging storm with a single command, how he himself forgave sins. He said, your sins are forgiven. Who can do that but only God? That's who he claimed to be. Tell them how he fed the hungry, how he cast demons out of people, how he raised people from the dead. Tell them, most of all, though, about his love for us that was demonstrated on the cross where he bled and died to pay the penalty for our sins and how he rose from the dead and he's alive today and he offers us forgiveness and the gift of eternal life if we put our faith and trust in him. Tell them about Jesus. You know, people often ask me, they say, Mike, what, so what makes your religion better than all the others? What makes your religion better? And the answer, Jesus. Jesus. There's no one like him. There's no one that did the things he did. He did things only God could do. He made claims that only God could make. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to heaven. I'm the truth. I'm the embodiment of all truth. I'm the one who can give you life. 
So we tell them about Jesus. Why? Because Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. That's where faith comes from. And without faith, no one can have their sins forgiven. Without faith, no one can have a relationship with God. And without faith, no one can go to heaven. So Jesus tells this woman who he is. He tells her who he is. Look again at verse 25 and 26. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Jesus said, I am. You know, that's how it's translated in the Greek, I am. Now, this is what God called himself in the Old Testament, and every Jew that knew the Old Testament knew that I am was a name for God. Jesus is claiming to be God. Yes, he claimed to be God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, when you look at me, you're looking at the one that sent me. When you look at me, you're seeing God. And he said, I and the Father are one. Here's what James Merritt said about this statement Jesus made to the woman. He said, never before in any biblical record had Jesus ever come out so blatantly to anyone and declared exactly who he was. And he doesn't do it to a Jew, but he does it to a Samaritan. And he doesn't even do it to a Samaritan man, but to a Samaritan woman. And he doesn't even do it to a self-respecting, clean, pure Samaritan woman, but to a five-time married woman living with a man, not her husband. Jesus, the friend of sinners. We love because he first loved us. Jesus told the woman exactly who he was, that he was the Messiah, he was the Savior. He told her exactly who he was, and she believed him. How do we know that she believed? Because she dropped her water jar and she ran into the town telling everyone about Jesus. She said, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. You see, faith is seen by what we do. Now, let's read the rest of the story. We're going to pick up the story beginning in verse 27. Let's see what happens. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reap is true. I sent you to reap for what you not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This brings us to our last point. God wants to use you to reach others. He wants to use us. Think of it. Now think of it. God used this sinful woman to be an evangelist. The disciples had gone into the city, and there was very little interest in them. They, they didn't even cause a ripple of interest, not even a stirring. Yet when this sinful woman went in, there was a revival. The whole city came out with excitement to meet Jesus. God had not chosen to use the disciples. He had not chosen to use the church leaders. He chose to use an immoral, broken woman. And all throughout history, we see that time after time, God has often used the most unworthy, the most unlikely people to do his work. We read in 1 Corinthians 1 that God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That he chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. That he, che that he chooses the lowly, the despised things so that no one may boast before him. Now this woman may not have been an evangelist. She probably wasn't. Not many people are. But she had a testimony. She had a story of how Jesus touched her life. And that's something that every true believer has. And God used her story. And he can use yours as well. Don't ever underestimate the power of your testimony, the story of how God has changed your life. And God wants to use it in the lives of others, just as he did this woman. And God wants to use us. How do I know? Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 14, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And his method is to use us. He has no other method. That's his method. He said that we're his ambassadors that we represent him in this lost and dying world. He's chosen to use us to entrust us with the gospel. And listen, if God could use this woman to reach the entire city of Sychar, he can use you. He can use me. He can use us if we're willing to step out in faith and trust him. Now, what about the disciples? What about the disciples? What do we learn from them? Well, God did a great work. A revival took place, and they missed it. They missed it. Why? Verse 8 may give us the reason. The disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with buying food. We all need food. I like food. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. But it seems the disciples were distracted by it. It seems that buying food for themselves so occupied their minds 
that they couldn't sense the spiritual need that was all around them. Just too occupied with material things. And how many of us in the church are like that today? We can get so bogged down with materialism, so bogged down with politics, so bogged down with the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things, the things of this world, and we become blinded. Blinded to the spiritual need of the lost who are all around us. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. There are people all around us that it, they'll listen. People who need Jesus. And they're all around us. And how we need to pray and ask God to help us to be more aware of those who are around us who need Christ. I need to pray and say, God, help me to see the people in my neighborhood when I go to the gym, wherever I'm at, around me who need Jesus. And then finally, what do we learn from the Samaritans? Well, the Samaritans had ears to hear. And they listened to the woman's testimony, and people will listen to your testimony. And they listened to the words of Jesus, and they believed. Look again at verse 41. And because of his words, this is Jesus' words, okay? Because of his words, many more became believers. You know, this is why it's so important to tell people about Jesus. To tell them what he said. His words are powerful. You know, so much of what I share with people just comes from his words, from the word of God. Because the word of God, his word, Jesus' words are powerful. And they believed because they heard the words of Jesus. That was enough. And it's still enough today. There is power in God's word. And that's why it's so important to know his word. I believe we ought to have uh, verses memorized so we can share them with others. The Samaritans heard and they believed. And that's a wonderful thing. Because Jesus said in John 5, 24, he said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but is crossed over from death to life. That's what we learn from the Samaritans. They believed Jesus was the Savior of the world, and they crossed over from death to life. And so many of us have experienced that. We've experienced the living water that Jesus can, only Jesus can give. But these Samaritans crossed over from death to life. And I want to just ha ask you this morning, has that happened to you? Has it happened to you? Have you believed that Jesus is the Savior who loved you and died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead? And you believe that he's the one that can give you forgiveness and the gift of eternal life? Have you understood that it's a gift and that you don't have to work for it, you don't have to earn it, it's free? The Bible ends with an invitation in Revelation 22, 17. It says, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. 
This is an invitation. It's at the end of the Bible. It's an invitation for everybody. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're from or the color of your skin, it's for everyone. And it's free. But we do have to receive it. We have to ask for it. Jesus told the woman, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me. And I would give you living water. You see, Jesus said we have to ask him. If we want our sins forgiven, if we want the gift of eternal life, we must ask Jesus for it. And Jesus gives us the assurance that if we ask, he'll give it to us. He'll give us living water. So by faith, we must receive him as Lord and Savior, putting all of our faith and trust in him and in him alone and not in any of our works or any of the things we do but our faith in Jesus Christ the person of Jesus Christ and in him alone and the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved God has promised you see God says if we will ask him to forgive us he will if we ask him to save us he will if we ask him to come into our heart into our life he will He'll come to live within us through the Holy Spirit. That's the living water Jesus was talking about. And he gives us the peace and the assurance and the joy of knowing that our sins are forgiven, of knowing that we're right with God in a right relationship with God, and the peace of knowing that if we were to die today, we'd go to heaven. Do you have that peace? Because if you don't, you you can have it. You can have it right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to clean anything up. But you do have to call on him. And if you're not sure you've ever done it, you can do that right now. You know, as I said, you don't have to clean anything up. You just come to Jesus just the way you are and you say, Oh God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you're not sure that you've ever done that, You could do it right now. Would everyone just close their eyes right now and be in an attitude of prayer? You know, there could just be one person here this morning or just one person that's watching online. The woman at the well was just one person that Jesus went out of his way for. He went through Samaria just for her. And it could be just one person, and he sees you. He knows you by name. He knows all about you. He knows everything you've done, and yet he loves you. And he died for you. And he rose again. He has his arms out for you, and he says, I'll forgive you. I'll give you the gift of eternal life if you just ask me, if you ask me to come into your life. And if that's the desire of your heart, and you're not sure you've ever done that, you're not sure, then I'm going to ask you to do it right now and just pray a simple prayer Just pray this simple prayer right after me, and if it comes from your heart, God will hear it. Just pray it softly right now. Say, God, I want to be sure, and I know that I'm a sinner. Will you please forgive me? And will you help me to turn away from the things that are wrong in my life because I need your help. I can't do it on my own. But Jesus, I believe you're the Savior who loved me and 
died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins and rose from the dead. And I want you to come into my heart, into my life. I want that living water. And I want to be the person you want me to be. And I ask you to do this, Jesus. And now I ask you, help me to follow you and serve you. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord, as a church, we ask you for your help to communicate this message to others because we can't do it without your help. And I ask for this church, you would set up divine appointments and that, Lord, you would open doors of opportunity for us to share with others. And when you open those doors, I ask that you give us words to say so we might make known the mystery of Christ that you would give us the boldness and the courage we need because, Lord, we can't do it. But thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us, that gives us the power to be witnesses for you. So, Lord, help us to share the good news of Christ with others, to never shrink back and to never be ashamed. Lord, help us to tell people about you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now 
You are child You are enough Yes you are And I will be content In every circumstance Child You are enough Forever enough Always enough You're more than enough Forever enough Always enough You're more than enough Jesus, thank you that you are the word You are the living word Father, I thank you. I thank you for Mike. I thank you for the spirit of God that is on him to preach the good news. Father, I ask that each and every one of us would be empowered just like he prayed by your Holy Spirit. It is the spirit of God that makes the gospel come alive. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would pour yourself out on us and you would well up within us, those who know you and call you our Father and our Savior. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for this huge victory. And I just see, I see relationships that you felt like have been broken and hopeless for a long, long time. That God is opening conversations up. That you're gonna walk into an easy burden. It's gonna be easier to tell people about the God that you know, about the God who's brought breakthrough in your life. So you can go forth with joy and excitement that you get to be part of this, this family that is calling people home, home to the Father. So Lord, would you give us boldness? Would you give us courage to speak of who you are in Jesus' name? Jesus, you. 
the praise we could ever bring You're worthy of every breath we could ever bring We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. So worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. i
beside Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and leave me in your love those around me. Thank you for that spirit-filled and spirit-led worship. It's beautiful. Now this morning for a final word. It's a little different uh, send-off, a little different type of blessing. But I'm going to read from Matthew 7, 24. These are the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So we have an opportunity as a church to put his words into practice with Discover Life. Discover Life begins the last Wednesday of July going on three consecutive Wednesdays, the first two in August. And you know, we can put what Jesus has showed us into practice. You know, the thing about this woman, she wasn't an evangelist. She just had a testimony. And really, all she did is she just invited people. She said, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the savior of the world? Could he be the Messiah? And she just invited them to come and see Jesus. You know, that's what Discover Life is all about. Doesn't matter if you're an evangelist, you don't have to be. You've got a testimony and you've also got people God's put in your life. And this is just an opportunity to invite them to where they can hear about Jesus, where the gospel will be shared in a clear and winsome way. And they'll experience God's love. And they'll sense that we care about them because the meals are wonderful. The meal is an expression of God's love. And the discussion at the table, it's not judgmental. It's not condemning. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. And uh, so I just want to encourage you to remember to pray for the people that God has put in your life. And then pray and ask God to give you the opportunity to open a door so that You could share something with them, share your testimony, which leads to his story, the gospel. Or just pray that you'll have an opportunity to invite them. And I just really encourage you to do that. Also, if you haven't filled out one of those prayer cards, we'd really appreciate that you do. Don't forget, it's not too late to turn those in. Uh, Put the names of the people that God has placed in your life that you're praying for. Put your name on it and turn one into the office so that we can also pray with you for those people. Now, may God bless you. And may he give you grace to put his words into practice. May he give you the power to do so in Jesus' name. Thank you for coming. Have a great week. If anyone would like prayer for any reason, I and some others will be up here. If you'd like to just prayer for something personal or you'd like to pray for a friend or family member, come on down. We'll be here for a while.